Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I'd like to talk about overcoming feelings of inadequacy. Last episode, we talked about overcoming shame, and this week I want to dive into how to have a biblical perspective and a biblical response when the enemy is really hitting us with feelings of being a failure, feeling inadequate for the task that is in front of us. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that our Set Apart Conference is coming up the first weekend of June, and it's for women of every age. I'm really excited about this year's theme. We're going to be diving into Victoria living. So taking the glorious promises of scripture and applying them in practical ways to every challenge that we're facing in our daily lives. Again, this is for women of every age. We'd love to have you join us in person in Colorado at our beautiful Ellerslie campus the first weekend of June, or you can join us anywhere you are in the world via simulcast, and you can even share this message with other women in your life. We've had people who pack an entire church filled with women and stream a simulcast, and some that just stream it on their own in their living room, maybe with a couple of friends. It's just a great way to share this message with other women in your life. And if you register for a simulcast, you'll have access to the sessions for the rest of this year. So you can pick a date that works best for you. If you are planning on joining us here in Colorado, space is filling very quickly. So I encourage you to go to setapartgirl.com to register as soon as you're able to. Let's dive into overcoming feelings of inadequacy. If you are the kind of person who constantly struggles with feeling like a failure or comparing yourself to other people all the time or just feeling insecure to the point where maybe you don't take steps forward, bold steps forward in your life that things maybe you know that God has even called you to because you just feel very inadequate. This is something that I can definitely relate to. And I know so many other women relate to this, whether it's in your motherhood or your marriage or being a good friend or being a good coworker or an employee or in some kind of ministry work. So often the enemy will hit us so hard with our shortcomings, magnify our shortcomings, magnify our failures to the point where we feel like we can't do anything right. And again, you know, the enemy will either hit us usually with pride or with insecurity. And I know for me, I've been hit way more with insecurity than I have with pride, which may surprise people because, you know, I write books and I speak and I do things publicly and people, you know, tell me, oh, they're blessed by what I do or whatever. But a lot of times, even in the midst of that, I can feel very insecure and feel like, oh, I messed that up. I didn't do that right. I didn't say that right. And really, it's something that if we don't have a biblical response to it, the enemy can pounce on it and he can magnify it and he can make us actually paralyzed where we don't move forward with what we know is in front of us to do because we're so focused on our own failures and shortcomings. And I think that this idea or this tendency in women is what leads to sort of a general cynicism towards things like Proverbs 31. I've I've even seen Christian books mock Proverbs 31, where you just kind of look at this standard that is set so high and you think, well, who could ever measure up to that? I mean, there's no women on the planet who can get up at the crack of dawn and stay up all night and do all these incredible things and be perfect in every area of her life. And so usually when we, when we already feel like a failure, when we already feel like we're just never measuring up, and then we read something like Proverbs 31, that's when we can start to kind of roll our eyes and think, well, that's unhealthy pressure. And the temptation is to kind of throw up our hands and say, I'm going to just chalk that portion of scripture up to poetry. I'm not going to take it seriously. And I'm going to accept the fact that I just have a messy, chaotic life where I never really feel like I'm rising up to the standards of God. 
and I'm not even going to try anymore. There's actually a much better way to handle the constant feeling of inadequacy. And it's not cynicism towards the word of God. And it's not throwing your hands up in defeat. It's actually saying, okay, Lord, how do I apply your victorious truth to this feeling of inadequacy that I'm battling with? And I'd like to share a few important truths that have really helped me in this struggle of feeling like a failure and feeling inadequate and not feeling the boldness to move forward in a direction I knew God was calling me to because of that. The first principle that I feel like God has taught me is to look upward and to look outward. One of the main goals of the enemy when we're feeling distracted by our own shortcomings is to cause us to focus inward. And it might seem more spiritual at first to kind of constantly self-reflect and think, oh, I could do this better, I could do that better, and I fell short in this way and in that way. But pretty soon you can just literally become so obsessed and focused on what you did or didn't do that you fail to look upward and keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus, and you fail to look outward and focus on serving and blessing other people, which is one of the key things we're called to as the body of Christ. So the solution I have learned is to take my eyes completely off myself and focus on who he is. Because as we've talked about in so many other episodes, the process of living out the Christian life can only be accomplished successfully when we are tapping into the grace of God, the supernatural enabling power to do what we could never do in our own strength. So as long as we focus on what we can't do or what we haven't done or what we could do better, we will never be able to focus on who he is, his enabling power, his grace, his might to do in and through us what we could never do on our own. And that's really the secret to a Christian life that actually works. There was a time when Eric and I were hit with a huge amount of criticism from people in our life that we had really trusted, we had poured our lives out for, and they were just deciding to come after us with a lot of nitpicky criticism and a lot of really harsh statements about us. And I remember it it pulled us so deep into a season of self-reflection and introspection because of our insecurity. We thought, well, you know, why are they suddenly being so harsh and critical towards us? Is there something we're not seeing? And are we overlooking these huge faults that we have that other people see and we don't see? And pretty soon, every prayer time and every quiet time was all about introspective pondering, sort of like, okay, what could we do better? What did we not see? Where are our blind spots? And one day we were praying along these lines, just kind of not even really praying, but just sort of focusing on ourselves and what was wrong with us. And Eric felt very clearly God impress something upon his heart, and it was the sentence, this is a distraction. And we kind of paused when he shared that with me. We paused and we thought, you know, this really is a distraction. The enemy has taken this criticism of other people in our life and caused us to take our eyes off of Jesus Christ, take our eyes off his amazing grace, his enabling power, and focus just completely on ourselves. Now, it's not always bad to let God shine his searchlight. In fact, it's a good thing to let God shine his searchlight into our souls on a regular basis and remove dross. So when I say don't just focus on yourself and don't just focus inward. I'm not talking about eliminating the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's very important that we constantly come before God and we say, search me and try me and and show me anything in my life that does not line up with your pattern and let him gently purge those things out of our life. But there's a big difference between coming before God with a surrendered attitude and saying, Lord, purify me to a very introspective sort of self-critical focus where we totally put Jesus Christ off to the side and we're only thinking about ourselves in our 
shortcomings. What I have learned is that when we focus on God's greatness rather than our own weakness, that's when we gain true confidence. It's not in ourselves. It's not confidence in ourselves. It's confidence in the mighty God that we serve. When we keep our focus upward and outward, we have a confidence in a radiance that is not based upon our own perfection. It's based upon his. It says in Psalm 34, 5, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. Isn't that profound? As we look to him, the natural outcome is that we will be radiant both inside and outside and our faces will never be covered with shame. If we look to ourselves, our failures, our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our faces will be covered with shame. Most of the time, but when we look to him, we become radiant. We're focused on his greatness rather than our weakness. So I would encourage you first and foremost, if you're dealing with feelings of inadequacy, not to just become super self-reflective, but to look upward and to look outward by God's grace. Another key principle I've learned is that we need to be living for heaven's applause. When I am living for the smile of my king alone, and I'm not worried about what other people think of me, that's when I'm really free from insecurity and that feeling of paralyzation. What if I do this wrong? What if I do that wrong? Because my goal is to bring him glory, not to just get likes on Facebook or get nods of approval from the culture or from people in my life. And that is such a freeing feeling when we recognize the only smile that really matters, the only applause that really matters is his. And the way to gain the applause of heaven is not by striving in effort and trying to impress him. It's by surrendering to him and saying, Lord, live in and through me the life that I could never live on my own. And that is how we receive heaven's applause. We need to recognize that the things that God values the most sometimes look very foolish to this world. So when we are living for heaven's applause, we may not have the applause of this culture. We may not have a bunch of popularity brownie points with the world around us. But if we are living for the applause of heaven, that's really all that matters. We can have radiance and joy when that becomes our highest goal. We need to surrender our right to be applauded and accepted by the culture if we're really going to keep our gaze fixed upon him. I've mentioned many times on this podcast that one of the most inspiring stories for me in scripture is Stephen in the book of Acts. When he was receiving such criticism and mockery and hatred from the world, he was also at the same time receiving a standing ovation from the king of all kings. And his face was radiant because of where his gaze was fixed. In Matthew 25, 21, there is such a beautiful picture of being welcomed into the presence of our king when we've been living for the applause of heaven and the and his lord says to him well done good and faithful servant and i don't know about you but that is basically the only reward i really want to be living for is to hear the king of all kings say those words to me well done good and faithful servant. Amy Carmichael wrote this, if the praise of others elates me and their blame depresses me, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Those words convict me every time I read them because how easy it is to let the praise of others excite us and make us feel good about ourselves and their blame suddenly depresses us and make us makes us feel terrible about ourselves. Our focus needs to be on heaven's applause and not the applause of others and then we won't be riding that roller coaster ride of insecurity and worrying about what other people think of us. Now that requires the grace of God because our natural human tendency is to be very much consumed with what other people think of us. But Jesus says, keep your eyes focused on me 
live for my applause alone and your face will be radiant and you will never be covered with shame. Another key is to stay dependent on Jesus. If you are feeling inadequate and weak and just not up for the task that is in front of you, whether it's raising children, homeschooling children, saying yes to a ministry calling, being an excellent wife, being an excellent friend, whatever it is that's in front of you that you know is part of God's calling on your life, but you're feeling inadequate and paralyzed and weak, stay dependent on him. I think our our primary tendency is to say, how can I buckle down and tap into my own strength? and my willpower and do this right. But Jesus sets this incredible example in his life of being dependent on the Father. And he does nothing but what he sees the Father doing. He abides with the Father and then he tells us to abide in him. We need to remember that being successful in our calling is not about being perfect. It's becoming completely dependent upon the only one who is, and that is Jesus Christ. In every challenge we face, there is a spiritual breakthrough awaiting us. If only we will give him the opportunity to show himself faithful. If we are dependent upon him, he will show himself faithful. Now, one of my favorite passages of scripture is a little bit obscure, but the reason I love it is because I relate to it so much. It's in Mark 8, 14 through 21. It's the story of the disciples traveling with Jesus and forgetting to bring bread. It says the disciples have forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf of bread with them in the boat. Then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragrance did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? The disciples forgot bread, and that is such a basic thing to remember, and there were 12 of them, responsible men, who probably should have remembered something that basic. Was it possible that they were so distracted and overwhelmed and exhausted that they couldn't even remember something that simple? Have you ever had moments like that in your calling as a wife, a mother, a friend, an employee, etc.? I know for me, I have had plenty. I've had small failures and big failures in my life. And that's what the enemy always tries to throw in my face. But what I love about this story is that when the disciples made a mistake and fell short in something that simple and that basic, they could have been kicking themselves for it. And Jesus could have easily rebuked them for it. But he didn't rebuke them because they were careless and they forgot to bring bread. He didn't rebuke them for not remembering that. He, his only rebuke to them was for their lack of faith. And I find that so refreshing and so interesting because what we can learn from this story is so applicable when we're feeling inadequate. Jesus isn't criticizing us and looking down upon us for our failures and our shortcomings. The only time he rebukes us is when we are so focused on our shortcomings that we fail to have faith in our mighty God and what he can do. It says that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Jesus reminded the disciples that even if they didn't do everything perfectly, they were with the perfect one. And if they were dependent upon him, they had nothing to worry about. He warned them not to become hard of heart, 
And that means to forget his amazing faithfulness, to forget his willingness to provide what is needed. And in the same way, fulfilling our calling is impossible in our own strength with our own resources if we're not dependent upon the perfect one. It's probably very similar to how the disciples must have felt when Jesus told them to do the impossible back when he was first feeding the 5,000 with the little tiny loaves and fishes that they had. If we want to reflect back on that story, it's very interesting. It says this, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Jesus was literally asking them to do what was impossible. The odds were completely against them. They were in a deserted place. The day was far spent. It would cost a fortune to feed a crowd that size just one small meal that everyone would have a little. But Jesus still said, give them something to eat. So when they panicked about it, what were they missing? They were missing the fact that they were with the bread of life himself. All they needed to do was to get in step with him and they would have everything they needed for that impossible task. Once the disciples allowed Jesus to be Jesus, the task was no longer impossible. Now, of course, it's important to keep in mind that the disciples still had an important role to play in all this. They didn't just sit back and watch Jesus do the whole thing. They worked in cooperation with him. As it says, he commanded them to make all of the crowd sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when Jesus had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. So think about that. They divided up the crowd. They set the baskets before them. They took up the baskets full of fragments. They were taking instructions from Jesus and they were working in cooperation with him. Jesus supplied the bread and the fish. And they, and then he gave those things to his disciples for the impossible task that he had called them to do, feeding a crowd of 5,000 people. When Jesus did his work, the disciples could effectively do their jobs. And that is such a powerful story, probably one of the best pieces of advice you and I could ever receive when we're feeling weak and inadequate, that our job is not to figure things out on our own and hunker down and tap into our willpower and rise up to our full potential. It's to stay dependent on the one who truly can accomplish the task. It's not to go brain dead and say, well, I'm not going to do anything. It's to say, Lord, I'm reporting for duty. You do the work. I am your your hands and your feet to carry out your task. You put a job in front of me to do. I'm going to receive everything that I need from you to carry out that task. So we've talked about practical ways to overcome those feelings of inadequacy, to look upward and to look outward, to live only for the applause of heaven and not the applause of men, and to be dependent on the one who is perfect. We will never be perfect this side of heaven, and we might as well just sort of agree with that statement, even though the enemy constantly says, you know, you're short in this area, you fell short in that area. The reality is, yes, we will fall short many times, but if we are dependent on the one who never falls short, we have everything that we need to fulfill 
the impossible task that is set before us. I hope this has encouraged you to rise above those feelings of inadequacy and not allow the enemy to paralyze you by your own weakness. Fix your eyes on who Jesus is, make yourself fully available to him, and you will have what you need to accomplish the task. If you look all throughout Christian history, those who did incredible and mighty things for the kingdom of heaven were very ordinary men and women who simply made themselves available to God. They didn't focus on their weakness, they focused on his strength. If you'd like to take these truths deeper, I encourage you to go to setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there, including an online mentoring program and lots of different articles and other podcasts on living a Christ-centered life. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-focused week.